Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, every first Sunday of the month is the Youth Sunday, where we involve the youth in as many ways as we can. One of the ways we do that is through a children's sermon. So if you're 12 years of age or younger and would like to come forward at this time, I will try not for my knees to crack too hard as I take my seat. Charles is about to go on vacation, so I'm, I'm giving him a break early. That's awesome. Vacations are wonderful, aren't they? Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody? So far, so good? So raise your hand and tell me what holiday it is that we're about to celebrate here. Fourth, is that right? Is that something? Okay, Fourth of July. We're all agree. All right. Yes. Okay. Fourth of July. So there's a picture of a flag. We'll talk about that first. And a picture next to it of Jesus. We'll talk about that next. So what are some of the things that you all like to do to celebrate the 4th of July? What do you like to do? Fireworks is the very top of the list. Anytime you get to blow something up legally, that's a good thing. (laughs) Cookies, what else? Still cookies? Homemade ice cream, that's awesome, I love it, yes. Still fireworks, two votes for fireworks, yes? What do you like to do? Ice cream. Ice cream and fireworks. Man, these guys are awesome. Yes. Water balloons. Crazy fire. Boy, you guys are raising your kids well, I have to say. One more. Still fire, fireworks is definitely on the top of the list. Okay, there's something else that we do that's connected to Independence Day. It's, it's a pledge of allegiance, allegiance right? And do you all kind of know it? I pledge allegiance. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And so on and so forth. One nation under God. God. Good. At least we got that part because we want our country to be a good country and we want things to go well in our country, right? And so we say a pledge. And it's important that in that pledge, we say that we are under God because in order for our country to go well, there's another pledge that we need to make. It's a higher, more important pledge. And Maybe you can see it in the picture behind. What's the, what's the pledge that we make that's even higher than the pledge we make to our country? Higher than the United States. It's on the picture behind me. It's the guy next to the flag. What's the higher pledge we make? God, there we go. Okay, we're all on solid ground. Our pledge to God. Now, there's a pledge that we make to God actually every Sunday. And you're going to hear it. You're going to do it after I preach. It's called a creed, Right? The Nicene Creed, right? And the Creed is our statement of belief. Do we know the Nicene Creed, ladies and gentlemen, as well as we know the Pledge of Allegiance? No? We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, right? Y'all with me, girls? <laughs> ladies, hello. I'm losing the crowd very quickly here. So here's the thing I want you to keep in mind, because in just a minute, I'm going to talk about this pledge that Jesus asks us to make. And after I talk about the pledge that Jesus asks us to make, we're going to confess our faith in him in the words of the Nicene Creed. And that's one of the reasons that we do that every single Sunday is so we can remember that this is the most important pledge that we make. Okay, 
So let's go back and listen to the pledge that Jesus asks us to make, and then we'll confess the Nicene Creed together. Sound good? And maybe I'll figure out what they're doing sometime before the service is over. All right, back to your seats. Charles, I've forgotten how challenging that can be. Pay increase. (laughs) Well, as most everybody knows, earlier this morning, we received some really, really wonderful news. Under God's sovereignty, by the good work of our property search committee and our vestry, and with the financial provision of some loving and generous benefactors on July the 7th, we will be purchasing the property that will be the permanent home for Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. That will serve our community for the gospel now and God willing for generations to come. So if you weren't here for the presentation this morning, that presentation is video recorded. It'll go out in our newsletter this week, but I'll just show you a couple of pictures. We're actually purchasing the 24-hour fitness property on Overton Ridge right there, five acres of land. It's an incredible gift that we will own free and clear upon closure and then be able to do the capital campaign to build the buildings that God would have us to build. So if you're familiar with this, it's right by Hewlin Mall. You can see Chisholm Trail Parkway on the left, Overton Ridge on the north. Everybody's favorite restaurant, Rosas or Cowboy Chicken, just across the street, take your pick. Um, But if you look to the... uh, This is looking west, north, yeah, north. You can see Dillard's, the mall. It's right there by the mall. And then if you look to the west now, you can see Costco and Target. If you don't know this, Chisholm Trail actually has an exit on Overton Ridge. So it's an incredible piece of property. Thanks be to God. Give you a quick five-mile look around it. You can see how far we reach over to Brian Irvin, over to Granberry Road. And that's all I want to show you, (laughs) evidently. I could go on and on. It's an incredible story, and and I do hope you'll take the time to watch the video presentation if you weren't here. And thanks be to God and and the good work of all of the people. Much more to come about how everybody will be involved and have a vested interest in the process. But what I want to say now is that we are right to give thanks to God in prayer and praise and celebrate this long, hard, and good work together as a parish family. But I think... It's obvious that in the midst of our praise is this very provocative and even prophetic gospel reading that we have this morning. It speaks to all citizens of every country, every man, woman, and child, and it speaks especially to those of us who call ourselves Christians. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. He said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. He said, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus said these things. He went on to say, a person's enemies will be those of his own household. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We're all in agreement. None of this is easy to hear. 
none of this is easy to hear. I'll take it a step further. I can imagine that these are not words that Jesus wanted to have to say. But then let's say this, in a world that is filled with people who pledge their allegiances to just about anything and everything that the heart and mind can imagine, these words are necessary for Jesus to say, and they are necessary for us to hear. They are, if you will, that divine line in the sand that God himself has drawn. And in drawing that line in the sand, it forces us to consider our would-be pledges in light of our various priorities and ask ourselves these kinds of questions. Who am I? How did I get here? What am I doing here? What am I giving myself to and why? Our own Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, it isn't the case that there are some fine ideals in the mind of God and Jesus just happens to teach them better than most people. Nor is it the case that Jesus came to show us a way through the present world to a quite different one where everyone will go after death no matter what they believe, who they follow, or what they do. Wright says, no, Jesus came to begin and to establish the way, the way of being God's people. And get this, Wright concludes this way. He says, Jesus knew that if people followed his way, that division was bound to follow. Now let's address that. Why would Jesus' words cause division? Well, for one reason, because Jesus came to rescue us and to save us. And so his rescue mission, it requires something of us. It requires that we confront ourselves and our sin. And causing us to confront ourselves and our sin means that Jesus knows something else. He knows that we are a prideful people a stubborn people, a rebellious people, even a resentful people. Now, I'm sure I'm just preaching to myself this morning, but I bet if we look into our hearts, we will all find places where we know that's true. As Father Charles said last week, we can even sit on a sinking spiritual ship refusing to admit that we need to be rescued. Or even if we do, we can convince ourselves that somehow there is another way or other ways out. To mix metaphors, we try and tell ourselves that all roads will lead to the top of the same mountain. Only for some, there will be a sobering Surprise. Because no matter what mountain we may think we are all climbing or what enlightened path we may think we are following to get there, at the top there is only one thing that God has put there for us to behold, and it is a cross. It is a cross. 
and from it the words of Jesus Christ himself that echo into the valley of the shadow of death for all the world to hear. He says, I am, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he puts a great big exclamation point at the end of the idea by saying, no one, no one comes to the Father but by me. And he also says, when I am high and lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And so to all who believe his words, to all who receive him as Savior and Lord, to all who strive to enter through the narrow door, who is Jesus Christ our Lord, the promise is this. Whoever receives him receives the Father who sent him. And we will be rewarded with true freedom, forgiveness of our sins, an unending life in Him and with Him. You see, if you want to get to God, if you want to be with God, if you want to live forever with God, Jesus Christ is telling us that He and He alone is the only way. And guess what else? He just happens to be the only one who gave His life on the cross to prove it and then rose victoriously over it three days later. My friends, on this day, we Americans are right to give thanks to God for the land in which we live and the liberties that we enjoy. On this day, we at Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas, are right to give thanks to God for the property we will soon call our parish home. But let me say this, whether we hang our spiritual hats in this, our sprawling shopping center, or find ourselves spreading our wings across five acres of land in southwest Fort Worth, let us never forget that we did not begin in a ballroom with disco balls and beer bottles but we were born anew to a living hope 2,000 years ago by the God who loves us so much that He laid down His life for us and gave birth to His church at Pentecost by the power of His Holy Spirit to preach the gospel and to persevere through every single trial and temptation of this transitory life so that when we find ourselves facing divisions within our own families, when we find ourselves facing divisions among friends or even across the flags of the nations, or even within the conflicts of our own country, today we are reminded of this one thing. Christ did not come to negotiate with us. He came to save us.